Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time for a preview of the Rolex Shanghai Masters in 2023. First time the event has been played since 2019, which feels like forever ago. So my first activity was remembering what happened in 2019. I wanted to see what was my prediction and what actually ended up happening. So here was here's my prediction slide from 2019. I had Medvedev over Djokovic, Zverev over Berrettini in the semis, and then Medvedev defeating Zverev in straights in the final. And it turns out this was almost a perfect final weekend prediction. I was a Novak Djokovic win over Stefanos Tsitsipas away from absolutely nailing this, which uh, which was pretty cool. Then it started to come back to me. I sort of remember this, uh, but it was Medvedev winning in 2019, beating uh, Zverev in straights in the final. Probably the best run of Berrettini's career at, in a best of three hardcourt, big best of three hardcourt. And it's also the last time Tsitsipas beat Djokovic. So... It's fun to look back on that kind of thing. But overall, you know, you kind of look at it, not much has changed. You know, four years later, especially Tsitsipas, Medvedev, uh, sorry, especially Djokovic, Medvedev, and Zverev, you know, predicting that in 2019, that would be a realistic prediction uh, today. Obviously, Djokovic not playing Shanghai this year, resting up. So wouldn't work for this year, but you kind of get the point. Uh, before I get into it, quarter-by-quarter quarter pr- predictions coming your way as always. Just before I get into that, uh, you know, this time of year is interesting. Some guys are kind of over it, done with it. Their head is in the gutter. It's a long season. They're worn down mentally. They're not coming in with great energy and, and motivation. Others are banged up physically, you know, same thing, feeling the effects of the long season. And then some guys get hot and they're serving well. The conditions are quick. They feel like, you know, they're in a good groove and they get really hot this time of year. And it's just figuring out who are those guys going to be this year. But in general, I'm going to try to take some shots here. I'm going to try to give you some more unpredictable predictions as best I can. Sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, believe that wild things are going to happen before they actually do. Uh, but there's no point in playing it safe this time of year because usually there's some some unpredictability 
that comes into play. More so with Paris Bercy than Shanghai, historically, but nonetheless. Conditions-wise, it's really, really quick. And I'm coming into these predictions assuming that it's going to be how Shanghai has played in the past, which is really the fastest conditions on the circuit, especially as far as hard court goes. Like maybe some of those grass court leadups to Wimbledon are quicker. But other than that, Shanghai is pretty much at the top of the court speed index. And kind of like Turin, I don't know what's faster, Turin or Shanghai, but those two right now is what I would say are the two fastest on the circuit, assuming Shanghai isn't different. And that's where I'm kind of nervous coming into these predictions because, you know, you never know if something changes from 2019 to 2023. But we're going to assume it's still fast conditions where you're going to see big servers do well, as you saw in 2019. I mean, look at the semifinal lineup, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Berrettini, Zverev. You know, all those guys pretty much are servers. And uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of offense, great offense rewarded in these conditions. I think that's everything I wanted to say. I guess housekeeping before I fully get into it. Uh, I haven't watched the Beijing semis. I'm going to do content on that uh, and I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to get to watching it as soon as I'm done uh, recording this and posting it. Carlos Alcaraz's quarter. He's got Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, Karen Hachinov, Grigor Dimitrov, Nicholas Jari, and Yuri Lehechka. Oh, plus Dan Evans. I threw an and there too quickly. My dark horse here is Yosuke Watanuki. My upset alert is Francis Tiafo. And this is just a coincidence. No early popcorn, by the way. It's just a coincidence that when I first really looked at Watanuki uh, play in person, it was against Tiafo in Miami. And Francis got through that one in three sets, but it was a super high-quality match. And ever since then, I've been wanting to see more from Watanuki and anticipating that at some point, he's going to make some sort of a splash. Overall this year, he's only 7-9 and nine at tour level, which isn't horrible, but obviously isn't great. But what's really kind of gotten him on my radar for this week is what he did last week. He made the final at the Shanghai Challenger. And I'm not exactly sure what courts those are are played on, but I did watch a little bit of that, and it was clear that they were lightning quick. So I have a feeling he's going to be really comfortable and dialed in when it comes to the conditions, confident about his form, and there is some draw opportunity as well. His first-round opponent is Jerry Shang, who he beat, I think it was the semifinals of the Shanghai Challenger last week. He beat Jerry Shang in straight sets. A quick shout-out to Jordan Thompson. I really like the tennis that he's played in fast conditions all year. I thought about making him the dark horse, but his last two events have ended in retirements. That fact alone is is really going to scare me away from putting Jordan Thompson in the dark horse spot. As far as upset alert, Tiafo, just don't really trust his motivation. Don't trust his focus. It's been a little bit inconsistent all year long. Uh, He's six and seven against top 50 players on hard court this year. That's uh that's a pretty wild stat for Tiafo to be below 500 against top 50 players on hard court this late in the year uh just kind of shows that he's been inconsistent. And this is not exactly, you know, the North American hard court swing where you know that Tiafo is going to be completely locked in. So, I'm not feeling great about Francis coming into this week. There's a couple of of uh, you know, seated players that 
I considered here for the quarters, especially if you look at uh, the bottom section with Francis, Nicholas Jari, Yuri Lahechka, and Taylor Fritz. Uh, Fritz, I don't mind. You know, he has been a little bit better in North America this year than he's been everywhere else. You know, nine of his 13 quarterfinals this year have come in North America. Hachinov, it looks like he's kind of back in form. He made, uh, he won the title, I should say, in, in Zhuhai. So, you know, that would suggest that the injury that kind of prevented him from being a factor whatsoever over the course of the North American hardcore swing, he's kind of worked his way back into form after that injury. Uh, Nicholas Jari is in here. I love what I've seen from him. Looked great in Beijing. I just think he needs time to organize his feet. Uh, keep in mind, Beijing was not fast. Beijing was a pretty slow hard court where, uh, yeah, the balls were were fluffing up and it was it was pretty slow there. So uh, Shanghai might be a little quick for Nicholas Jari. And Dimitrov, you know, continues to be so consistent. 16-1 since Roland Garros against players ranked lower than him. 16-1. Incredible. Ultimately, I went with a bit of a surprise here, and that is Carlos Alcaraz defeating Yuri Lehechka. Yeah. Uh, Lehechka has won eight of his last 11 matches. Winston-Salem and Davis Cup, mostly where those wins come from. And he's one of those young players who I like at this time of year. It's still new to him. It's still fresh to him. He's not going to take any week for granted. He's going to be excited to play week in and week out. And uh, yeah, like motivation is not going to be an issue. And we see young players sometimes do well this time of year uh, because of that. Plus, his aggression is going to be rewarded in these conditions. He hits the ball absolutely huge. And he does not waste any time going after his shots and looking to create offense. Sometimes that has resulted in overly erratic play, but you know when you see the the risk reward, I'll put it this way: when you see the reward side of things start to kind of catch up to the risk side of things, that's where a player like Lahechka is going to start to kind of see more results out of his highly aggressive style. The safe pick here would have been Taylor Fritz. Fritz and Lahechka have played a bunch of times this year, three times. And Taylor's won all three, but it's been close enough. In fact, it's been, you know, relatively, uh, it's been quite close overall. Uh, close enough where I could see Lahechka getting him here. So that's where uh, I decided to take a shot with Yuri Lahechka. And Carlos Alcaraz, I like the draw for him. You know, as, as consistent as Dimitrov has been, as much as I trust Karen Hachinov, as much as I like what I've seen from Nicholas Jari, uh, this is not this is not a bad draw for him whatsoever uh, between Dan Evans and um, Dimitrov and Hachinov. Th those are the seeds actually in his eighth. Yeah, I think I think things have shaped up pretty well uh, for for Alcaraz and his quarter. So I put him through. Let's go to Stefano Tsitsipas's quarter. Top seeds are Tsitsipas, Rublev, Tommy Paul, Cam Nori, Alejandro Davidovich Vikina, Jan Lennard Struff, Adrian Manorino, and Hugo Umber. 
My dark horses here are Aslan Karatsev and Matteo Arnaldi. My upset alert is Cam Nori. And I do have an early popcorn match in this quarter. It is Davidovich Fikina versus Arthur Fies, uh, which has been an early popcorn before. Um, and it, it, is, it is there once again. Uh, I will start with, uh, with my dark horses. Karatsev, just a guy who I don't want to see on these really fast hard courts. These are perfect conditions for someone who just wants to take the ball on the rise and be offensive. This is also the time of year where he broke through in 2020. Matteo Arnaldi didn't have a hard court win on tour before the U.S. Open. He made the fourth round in New York. He looked really good in Beijing this week. Young player with a lot of confidence. Again, that's what I look for. But uh, the court speed might be an issue. I don't know. We'll have to see. But as I said, Beijing was a little bit slower than this. Ultimately, sometimes I think confidence and form just you know, override a good fit in conditions. And I just, I like what I've seen from Arnaldi. And I think he can continue this, this positive uh, stretch in the calendar. Upset alert is Cam, Cam Nori. Still only three wins since Wimbledon. Highest ranked win among those three was against 83 in the world, Alexander Shevchenko. He did take a set off of Rublev last week. So, you know, I, I do think he showed some stuff in that match. But at the end of the day, he's still slumping. And I think one of the things that kind of shows you that is uh, his ELO ranking. You know, ELO ranking doesn't really care what you did at the beginning of the year at this point. ELO ranking has more of a recency bias where the ATP rankings has no recency bias at all. It literally has, you know, it's a 52-week system where it doesn't care if you did something last week versus if you did something, you know, 10 months ago. Well, the ELO rating, which actually cares about what you've done recently, has Nori down to 32. And I think that just kind of shows you the rut that he's been in. So he's kind of, you know, he needs to break out of that. Um, until he does, I uh, I have him on upset alert. And uh, J.J. Wolf maybe in the second round, not easy. Pedro Kachin, pretty good player. I do think it'll be J.J. Wolf. Um, pop early popcorn match. Fakina feasts. Great movement. Great firepower. A lot of emotion on both sides. So that's that. Always a fun match and. Davidovich Fakina has beaten Fis both times. Quarterfinal here. I have uh, Hugo Umber defeating Andre Rublev. And yeah, that happened last week as well. It was in the, I think, the third round of Beijing. I went back and forth on this. Uh, first of all, I guess I'll talk about Umber and then I'll talk about Rublev. Umber all year has been putting in good work at the challengers and, you know, some, you know, some weeks on tour level have been positive as well. Uh, but last week he had two top 20 wins. He beat Nori and he beat Rublev. And he's just a guy who, when he gets confidence and good form on quick hard courts or on grass, he's going to have my attention. He's always going to be on my radar because we've seen how talented he is. We've seen how, how well he plays against top players He's, uh, you know, you know that he'll be pumped if he gets a chance to play Stefanos Tsitsipas. 
He just always plays those matches so well. He's literally got, I think, a winning record against top 20 players in his career, which is crazy for a guy who hasn't spent much time at all in even the top 30. I mean, he sniffed it you know, for a hot sec, but he hasn't spent much time there. Conditions are great for him. He's so deadly off both wings with his precision, how early he takes the ball and redirects. And he just seems like someone who could reemerge this year uh, around this time. So I'm taking a shot here on Hugo Umber. I do have Andre Rublev making the quarters. Crazy thing with Rublev, I was looking at it. Obviously, the highlight of his season has been winning Monte Carlo, that Masters 1000 title that had eluded him before this year. But other than that, he's been bad at the Masters this year. I know that's kind of, it, it's weird and kind of hard to notice, but he has not made a Masters 1000 quarterfinal other than Monte Carlo all year long. I don't really like his draw with Karatsev and Manorino as well. Uh, Manorino coming off the title. I don't really trust him to hold up physically after he wins a title or after he makes a final. That's kind of my thing with Manorino. Uh, I mentioned that I think Karatsev is dangerous. But look, with Rublev, in general, super consistent on hard courts. I know he's going to care a lot. You know, he, he always cares every week. I almost picked him in the semis. Ultimately, you know, the real the real reason I, I went with Umber was uh was because I just haven't loved Rublev's level since Bostad, other than maybe a couple of the US Open matches he played, like I thought against Monfils, he played really, really well, for example. I have not been that impressed with his level after Bostad at, at any point for an extended period of time. I also prefer more medium pace courts for him. I think this is a little quick. So I went with Umber. I told you uh, I want I wanted to throw in some some wild card picks, so to speak. And Umber is a guy in form, talented guy, but you know that would be quite a a turn in kind of the the trend in Hugo Umber's career. It's been a long time since he's made a a big run at a big tournament. Holger Runa's quarter. He's the number three seed. He's got Casper Ruud, Alex Dimonor, Hubert Hercoc, Lorenzo Musetti, Tomas Martin Echeverry, and Christopher Eubanks. My dark horse here is Zhang Zhizhen. My upset alert is Talon Griegspor. And my early popcorn is Stan Wawrinka versus Dusan Lajovic. Zhang Zhizhen. This might be a sentimental pick. You know, it's kind of hard to know what you're going to get out of Zhang in general. And frankly, I don't know how he's going to handle the extra attention and the extra player pressure of playing in China. But his career is very much on an upswing, and he is extremely talented in the power department. I don't, I don't love him when he has to move a lot, but the quicker the courts, the shorter the rallies, the better for Zhang Zhizhen. Obviously, those conditions give him the chance for the tennis to be played to that tempo. And the draw gives him a chance as well with Gaz K in the first round, with Echeverry being the seeded player in the second round. I think enough comes together for me to throw Zhang Zhizhen in the dark horse. I'd love to see it. Like I'd love to get the home crowd, which hasn't seen live tennis in, in over three years, uh, to get a nice little run out of Zhang Zhizhen. Um, 
I don't know how realistic it is, but there's enough signs for me to, you know, pull the trigger and make Zhang the dark horse. My upset alert talent, Griegspor. I don't know that he's been an upset alert for me all year long because in general, uh, I've I've kind of been a little bit maybe too high on him in my predictions. Uh, but he's got to face Vavrinka or Lajevic in his first match. And I just think both guys, whoever wins that match, are just better ball strikers than talent. So if he doesn't serve really well or if he stays back too much in those head-to-heads, I think he'll be in trouble. And of course, that is my early popcorn. Uh, they are certainly kind of stylistic twins, Vavrinka and Lajevic. And you are just going to get... You know, super clean, satisfying ball striking with a lot of great power and two beautiful one-handers. I, I think we'll see some gorgeous hitting from Stan and Lajevic in that first round match. Quarterfinal prediction here in Holger Runa's quarter, which uh, is a pretty wide open one. In fact, this is exactly the U.S. Open pairing where you had Runa and Rude, and then it ended up being Ben Shelton coming out of that quarter at the U.S. Open. Here... I think it's going to be Alex Dimonor. And I do think Runa makes the quarterfinal. I have Dimonor defeating Holger Runa. Uh, Holger. He's moving explosively again. He's building confidence again. I think things are moving in the right direction for Holger. But Dimonor is just playing so disciplined, so smart, so tough right now. I think he's the guy out of this quarter. He loves a slick court. Make no mistake. You know, you might think of Demonor as a defensive player, but I mean, look at his results on clay. If that isn't all you need to understand that it's actually Demonor wanting as quick a court as possible to try to make up for the fact that he's underpowered. It makes such a big difference for Demonor when you know, when he hits a good spot serve, he actually gets damage off of that or off the ground from the back of the court, he's actually creating damage because the court is fast enough for him to do that. That is what is the key for Demonor. Not to mention, you know, low bounce really helps his backhand. And uh, you got to love how he's playing. You got to love it. So Demonor, my pick out of this quarter uh, I'll shout out, like, I'll, I'll address a couple of the other guys. You know, Rude looked pretty good in Beijing, but again, those were slower conditions. He is 6-9 and nine against top 100 players on hardcourt this year. Is there enough evidence for me to kind of reverse that on a really, really fast outdoor hardcourt? I don't think so. Hercotch, you know, hardcourt Masters 1000. Hercotch is always a guy to look at. And, you know, there's a chance that he can just serve his way through this in these conditions. But uh, in general, I just don't trust him this year. And I don't know where he's at. You know, there there was a lot of momentum for Hercotch going into the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, he lost early once again in New York. Uh, I think illness played a factor in that match. But, you know, with, with the momentum and I think kind of the good vibes uh, on his forehand side that were present coming into the U.S. Open. With the break in the action, all that's kind of out the window, and it's kind of back to where I feel, uh, back to the the norm with Hercotch this year, where I, I just don't think he's breaking serve enough to be a reliable contender week in and week out.
All right. Let us go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He is the number two seed. He's got Yannick Sinner, Alexander Zverev, Felix Ojealiasim, Ben Shelton, Francisco Sarindolo, Sebastian Baez, and Sebastian Corda. I didn't realize the two Sebis are in here. Another thing I'll say about the quarter before I get into my selections for Dark Horse Upsiller and Early Popcorn, this is another repeat of the U.S. Open draw. Sinner versus Verev, fourth round. Are you kidding me? I'll I'll save my prediction there, but uh, remember what I said at the U.S. Open. I said nobody got screwed like Yannick Sinner. Nobody. Because I had Sinner as the fourth best player coming in. I had Zverev power ranked as the fifth best player. And I'm like, wow, if you're Yannick Sinner, you are a top eight seed and in the fourth round, you have to play the fifth best player, according to the power rankings, in the draw. That stinks. And uh, it happened again. Really bad luck for Yannick Sinner. I mean, not great luck for Zverev, but Sinner's the higher seed, so he's the guy I feel bad for. All right, dark horse here is Mackie McDonald. Upset alert is Felix Ojealiasim. Early popcorn is Zverev versus Sefulin uh, or Murray in the second round. McDonald. Obviously, when you look at this quarter, which is probably the best quarter in the draw, there's a Sinner section, there's a Medvedev section, and there's a Zverev section. I knew I wanted to take a dark horse in the FAA Sarundalo section because, you know, frankly, that's going to be where the unseeded players have the best chance of going past the third round. Uh, so then from there, it, it's between Fucevic, Mute, and McDonald. Uh, let me just check something. The, the qualifiers weren't placed when I when I first did this. So, okay, the qualifier is Denis uh, Yevsevyev from Kazakhstan. So uh, he's not really someone who I've, I've watched. So, okay, so point remains. Fucevic, Mute. Mackie McDonald, and of those three, you know, usually I'd go Fucevic, but on a on a really quick hard court in best of three, I'll go with Mackie McDonald, who's probably had a better year than Fucevic overall. Uh, perfect conditions for Mackie. The quicker the courts, the better. He already has some wins in Asia, and he's also been uh, actually getting some crowd support over the course of this Asian swing. He had that viral moment with, with Jerry Shang. And I think since then, Mackie McDonald, who uh, does also have Chinese heritage, um, he, he's been getting some support. So that doesn't hurt, especially this time of year where you're kind of, again, you're you're coming up on the end of the year and you, you might feel tired and the, everything that's going to offer you those little boosts are going to be helpful. Uh, Safulin, again, he had that, that run of the final in Chengdu. He's really good. These are good conditions for him. I'm a big fan, but he's got Murray round one, Zverev round two. For that reason, McDonald is my dark horse and not him. Upset alert is FAA. He is 2-10 since April. He lost to Runa in the first round in Beijing, 
But there were some positives in that match that I will point out. You know, 69% first serves in. It's been a huge problem for him. It's good to see him actually play two sets where his first serve percentage was good. It's also the first time in four matches where he's been above 50% points won on his second serve. Uh, on the negative side of things, he, he still had a very low ace rate. It was 7%, which is, you know, way below where he wants to be. So, look... I'm convinced that improvement with FAA needs to start with a great serving match, but in a strong quarter where a lot of the seeds I'm actually expecting good good things from, I kind of have to default back to FAA as upset alert. I'm trying not to do that like every week, but you know, as he still slumps. But for this quarter, I'm gonna have to put Felix there again. Early popcorn, Zvera versus Sefulin and uh and Murray. Uh, I think that should be an interesting one. Sefulin pushed uh, Zverev. That would be a, a rematch of the final in, in Chengdu. Sefulin did take a set in that final against Zverev. And uh, Murray would be interesting to see as well. Andy has played Sasha really well. Even since hip surgery, Andy's played some good matches against Zverev. Also, they don't like each other. My quarterfinal here is Medvedev defeats Zverev. That would be a repeat of the result we just saw last night. Medvedev versus Verev. They've played a ton this year. What would this be? Like number five on the year. It's almost always close. It wasn't in Beijing. As I mentioned at the beginning of the video, I haven't watched the match yet. Uh, but in general, I think Medvedev manages nerves a little bit better uh, when he plays Verev. I think he tends to be a bit more daring when they play. Uh, and I've, I've leaned Medvedev in this head-to-head for a long time and I'm not going to stop now. I just think, you know, they're similar players, but Medvedev kind of does everything a little bit better than Zverev and I think backhand a backhand where Zverev usually has a ton of uh makes a ton of progress. I think the way Medvedev's ball stays really really low on Zverev's backhand actually gives Daniil the advantage in that kind of strength to strength battle. Zverev usually can't find the same strength for, uh, can't really find uh, much of an advantage forehand to forehand. So we'll see if we get that. I mean, obviously, this is a great quarter. Uh, I will mention with Yannick Sinner, who uh, is going to play the final in Beijing, I still don't fully trust his durability to the same extent that I like, you know, Zverev's durability, even though it's not bulletproof. I still think it's a little bit better than Yannick's. And, you know, he, he even kind of looked sick in the match before Alcaraz uh, did Yannick. I don't, I'm always concerned for Sinner after a long physical week. I'm always concerned the next week. Whereas a guy like Zverev or a guy like Medvedev, I'm not quite as concerned. And just as I said at the U.S. Open, Zverev is a bad matchup for Sinner. I'm always going to kind of like Zverev. I'm, I'm going to lean Zverev in that head-to-head, -head, probably unless... Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what conditions that wouldn't be the case for. I'm going to lean Zverev in that matchup. Um, Sinner's power, uh, Zverev's pace absorption is just really, really good against Sinner. All right, so Medvedev over Zverev in the quarterfinal in that section, or in that quarter, I should say, which is the strongest quarter, and it's kind of... Again, I don't love this draw just because we're seeing a lot of the same stuff that we saw at the U.S. Open. And I just like it to, to be a little bit more different. But, oh well. All right, final weekend. 
going to see it all at once here. All right. Three, two, one. I got Alcaraz over Umber in three sets, Medvedev over Demonor in two sets, and Medvedev over Alcaraz in three sets. Another matchup that we have seen a ton is Medvedev Demonor. And uh, Medvedev has won the last two, seemingly kind of figuring out Demonor. But I think the problem is, you know, in these conditions, as quick as they are, man, huge serving advantage for Medvedev. Tough for Demonor to overcome. With Alcaraz and Umber, I mean, you know, pretty simple here. Like, it, it, it's a, it becomes a stretch for me to put Umber in a Masters 1000 final. I mean, for me, you know, semifinal, that's kind of far enough. I don't want to kind of put him any further than that. And, uh, and that leaves us with Medvedev, Alcaraz in the final, and I'm going Medvedev. I still think eight years from now, we'll be looking at an Alcaraz advantage in this head-to-head. But first of all, I trust Medvedev more than I trust Alcaraz to get to the final. And I'll get to why in a moment. And second, uh, these conditions are quick enough where we could see Medvedev's serve have a pretty big effect, just like it did in New York. Well, Medvedev did win that free points battle. He won the majority of the one-shot rallies in New York. I think we could see that again. And then it becomes very hard for Alcaraz to dominate Medvedev in the, the longer exchanges. You know, Alcaraz might get the, the slight edge, um, but at the end of the day, you're going to get a lot of quick bang-bang rallies in conditions like this, and Medvedev can get the better of those uh, despite Alcaraz's, you know, serve and volley in all likelihood being effective. In general, on a really fast hard court and best of three, I'm always so confident in Medvedev. Like, it just doesn't take that much convincing. Uh, plus, his consistency is awesome. Like, and I don't know if he gets enough credit for this. Week to week to week, unless he hates the conditions, Daniil rarely kind of shows up to an event and throws in a dud. He's... He's usually pretty locked in. His focus is great. He doesn't get upset a lot in conditions that he likes, especially in, in big hardcore events. Yeah, like you don't need to convince me much uh, to pick Medvedev at this time of year, a time of year he's historically had success in on courts on a really fast hard court where I think, you know, him and Novak are probably the best in the world. Doesn't take much convincing for me to pick Medvedev to win the title here. And by the way, he might, you know, he might win the title in Beijing. I don't worry about his durability. We've seen him how many times, including earlier this year. He can do that kind of thing. He doesn't really get tired. I can't say I have that same trust in Alcaraz, who at times can be a little bit more up and down on the focus. He can be a little bit more erratic. He hasn't proven that he can you know, that he plays well after the U.S. Open, which Medvedev has already proven. I still need to see that out of Alcaraz. Some players just don't don't fare all that well this time of year. Uh, so I think Medvedev is a better bet at this year's Shanghai Masters than Alcaraz. All right, looking forward to this event. And uh, I will have Beijing content uh, over the course of the next two days. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.